is no escape from podcasting. I can't get away. No matter how hard I try, I have to start up again. So sorry, folks, I'm afraid you're stuck with me. (laughs) But seriously, greetings, everyone. I realize it's been a while. This is because there have been a number of things happening in what we jokingly like to refer to as life, and you may be hearing about some of those things very soon, if I can get my act together. In the meantime, I am still recalibrating my schedule and trying to make all the various fiddly bits of it fit together. So we'll see how that goes. And for now, hey look, it's a podcast episode. So I'm just going to ignore the fact that I've been away for like three quarters of a year and ramble for a while on that wondrous topic that I promised I would continue, and that is the question of whether or not canon matters. Does canon matter? And I believe last time I said I would talk about a few different things. Let's see how many of those I get through today. Before we dive in, though, I have a couple of announcements. First off, I'm going to be at Con Carolinas in Charlotte, North Carolina this year. That's coming up very rapidly. It is the first weekend in June. That is June 2nd through 4th at the Hilton Charlotte University Place here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to be on a number of panels that weekend on Saturday and Sunday. I'll be moderating a couple of them. And on Friday night, I'm going to be running a game of Fiasco and I believe I still have some slots open as of this recording, so folks who want to get in on that should go and check that out. There are links to all the various things you can look up about the con and the guests and everything at the Con Carolinas website. That's concarolinas.org. They've got a link to their tentative schedule on the front page right now as we speak, so you can click on that and go there and see who's scheduled to be in what panel, that kind of thing. And I believe somewhere else on the site, there's a link to the game registration system, which is being handled by Justice Productions. They're using what they call the Ogre system, which is actually a pretty cool way of keeping track of con games. So if you're going to be into the gaming part of the con, go and look at that. And if you're planning to come to the con, I hope to see you there. And one other thing I wanted to mention, you may remember Charles White of Fabled Environments. I've had him on the show a few times. He has let me know that he is involved in a new Kickstarter that's running right now, as of this recording. It's called Buccaneer Through Hell and High Water for Savage Worlds. The Kickstarter looks like it's centering around pirates and voodoo and magic and witch hunters and other such things around the Caribbean, so that looks like that's going to be fun. That Kickstarter is running through Tuesday, June 20th, and as of this recording, it's already funded, so you know it's definitely going to be happening, so I would recommend going and taking a look if you're into RPGs of that flavor, and I shall put a link to it in the show notes. Now, what was it I was talking about before I was interrupted for several months? Ah, yes! Canon. So, the first thing I wanted to talk about with respect to canon and continuity is an RPG, or rather a series of RPGs, put out by White Wolf Publishing. The World of Darkness, as it is known. It has had several iterations, and I think it's an interesting thing to talk about when you're talking about canon and continuity, because it's very, very subjective, intentionally so. Before I start rambling about that, though, for those who may want a reminder, the question of whether canon matters or not is one that came up for me a little while back, because I was seeing a lot of arguments about canon and continuity, and how much that seemed for people to either help or ruin various things, and I kind of feel as though there are cases where canon can be helpful to a thing, and I think 
there are cases where strict adherence to canon can be a detriment to it, especially if you're in a group geeking out and talking to people about it. It becomes a sort of a thing that people want to lean on appealing to authority and kind of use it to ignore the positive and negative qualities of an individual work because they just want to shut down the conversation saying, oh, it's not canon, or, oh, it's canon, so no point talking about it anymore. And I think that's a load of crap. So that's why I started thinking about it. Not wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater, however, I wanted to talk about how much I think canon may or may not matter with respect to a number of different things. And so in this series so far, we've talked about Dr. Who and Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Trek and DC Comics and the DC Movies and various other media. And I got a lot of good feedback on those and people seemed to want this to continue so here we are. Okay, recap over. Let's talk about the world of darkness or the different worlds of darkness since they've cleft themselves in twain. It seems the more time that passes, the more Byzantine things get when it comes to the world of darkness. So let's talk about that. Like I said, the continuity of the world of darkness has always been a bit subjective because pretty much every product is written from an individual character's point of view. Even the mechanics sections are written as much in character as possible. Obviously, there are bits where one can't really do that effectively, but as far as the lore goes, pretty much everything is subjective. And that was actually a pretty cool move, I think, because... Not only does it let later writers explore other options, but it gives individual game masters, or storytellers as they call them in those systems, and their players the ability to go in pretty much any direction they want. Now, just as an amusing side note, as folks who have been listening to this show for quite a long time may already be aware, I belonged for quite a long time to an organization that I lovingly call the Running Around Pretending to be Vampires Club. This was a global organization whose primary activity was a live-action game that was supposed to maintain continuity across the globe. There were what we called different venues, which were the different games that White Wolf had to offer, Vampire, Mage, Werewolf, Changeling, etc. And within those venues, we would try to keep continuity from one continent to the next, which was a crazy process that involved ridiculous amounts of bookkeeping and the way they did it, rather a lot of rules restricting what you can and can't do. Sometimes it worked incredibly well, sometimes less so. Like with any game, it came down to whatever storyteller was involved in the particular bit of it you were looking at at the time. And we would sometimes, in this club, get into discussions about canon, and folks would try to use canon in the way that I described earlier to kind of squash arguments. And I kind of thought that was hysterical, because the very subjective nature of the game made it so that you couldn't really appeal to canon, because who knew what the storytellers were actually doing? We didn't really have a lot of arguments about canon, though. Most arguments ended up being about getting things approved. But let's not go down that particular rabbit hole this evening. Right now, I'm just talking about the published games themselves. There was a lot of cool lore to talk about, but not really much in the way of solid canon you could really grasp hold of. So a lot of the cooler discussions would end up being about the lore. In many ways, it was a self-correcting problem. However, there were, of course, points where you could get into discussions about whether or not a particular
particular city belonged to a particular sect of vampires because X, Y, and Z happened in a particular novel and there aren't any other sources disputing that, so you just have to decide if you're going with that or not. And I think pretty much it would come down to what you want to believe. Now, I'm going to give you an example in a moment of this subjectivity carried to an extreme, but before I do that, I'll need to kind of break down some of the specific games I'm talking about here. Because I think it is worth talking about the different versions of the games. There are distinct enough differences that it can easily affect any conversation about what has and hasn't happened. So, for a bit of background, White Wolf was, for quite a while, its own company through the 90s and up through the early aughts. They were based out of Atlanta for most of that time. I believe at some point I heard that they had moved their corporate offices to California sometime during that era, but I'm not quite sure I can pinpoint when that happened or indeed if it happened, but that's its own thing. Anyway, not relevant. During that time, they came out with, for the most part, three different editions of their World of Darkness games. They had a first edition and a second edition of Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Mage the Ascension, Changeling the Dreaming, and Wraith the Oblivion. Those were their big five headliners for quite a while. In each of those games, you would play the type of creature that is the name of the game, essentially. Pretty straightforward in that case. In Vampire, you play a vampire, and Werewolf, you play a werewolf, etc. Sometime after all those second editions rolled out, more work did happen on those games. You had development constantly happening with the rules, sometimes for individual little books that came out, sometimes for variations on those settings, like the ones where you would get to play in different eras. You had Werewolf the Wild West, you had Vampire the Dark Ages, which was really good, I liked that one quite a bit. You had Mage the Sorcerer's Crusade, which was, I think, somewhere in the rough neighborhood of the Renaissance era, sort of, and you had Wraith the Great War. Then during this time, you also had other smaller books come out to kind of test the waters with playing different kinds of creatures. You had books come out for Vampire, for example, about the possibility of playing ghouls or the possibility of playing mortal hunters. You had specific types of mortal groups that would get their own kind of what we would call splat books, books that expand, quote-unquote, the main game. There were always, at this time, usually connected to one of their five main games. After this time period, you would see that change. For example, I remember a book called The Bygone Bestiary that was something that would let you play all manner of strange different kinds of mythical creatures like dragons and unicorns, and that book was ostensibly for Mage the Sorcerer's Crusade, but it was really its own kind of thing. And later you'd start to see those individual types drift away and become their own game lines. The first really notable example of that, I believe, happened with Mummy. There was a book that they came out with called Mummy, which I think, and I do not have it in front of me, so you'll have to forgive me if this is incorrect, but I think the first and second editions of Mummy did not have a subtitle and was technically considered a book for vampire. Eventually, however, they came out with a new version of Mummy called, I believe, Mummy the Resurrection that was its own thing. Now, around this time, I believe, is when they started coming out with more new editions of their original games. They referred to them as the Revised Edition. This would be the third iteration of each of these games, and they did those for Vampire, Mage, and I think think they did it for Werewolf, but 
I am pretty certain they did not do it for any of the others. Still, they kept coming out with new games. They came out with more games for new types. They had Kindred of the East, which was for a completely different kind of vampire. It wasn't even really a book for vampire, because the concept of a vampire is very different in Asia, and they were trying to incorporate a lot of different legends in that. It was a very interesting set of books. They also came out with Hunter the Reckoning, which was a game about playing not completely mortal hunters, but imbued mortal hunters, mortals who'd been imbued with different powers, and they came out with Demon the Fallen, of course, about playing demons. I never really got to read that one. I planned to, never got around to it. Perhaps one day. And then during this time, they came out with a few more things for other eras. They made Dark Ages itself into a brand and came out with Dark Ages versions of a bunch of their other games. So it wasn't just Vampire anymore. That in and of itself, they came out with another edition of Vampire the Dark Ages called Dark Ages Vampire. They came out with Dark Ages Werewolf, Dark Ages Mage, and Dark Ages Fae, which was for Changeling, but it was before they had become Changelings. And Dark Ages Inquisitor, which is not exactly a spinoff of Hunter the Reckoning. I think it's probably more like a spinoff of a book they came out with called The Inquisition, if I remember right. But that's its own thing. Let's not worry about that right now. And then, of course, they also did Victorian Age Vampire, but they did not manage to spin anything else off into Victorian Age, I don't believe, before everything changed for them, which I am getting to. Man, this is a long story. Anyway... And yes, they also came out with a game called Orpheus. I have never read Orpheus, but my understanding is it's actually connected to the world of darkness, kind of on the Wraith side, just from an incredibly different perspective. Speaking of canon and continuity, something interesting that would happen largely during the time of the second editions of these games was that they were starting to put out so many books that not necessarily all of the writers were communicating with each other. And in most cases, that didn't matter too much because, again, every book was written from a specific point of view. But there were a few cases where you would have some vastly conflicting thing and have to decide if you were running the game which story, if any, was true. There are minor examples of this that you'll run into from time to time. I know a few in particular that I came across back when I was running the game a lot, and I was reading through each of the books and getting as many of the books as I can, eager to devour more and learn the whole story, which in and of itself was kind of a bit of a sand pit, because of course the more books that I got and read, the more I had to read, because I had to know more about how each thing would affect each other thing. I was a serious continuity freak in those days. These days I'm a much sillier continuity freak. But anyway... I found an example of a minor one back when I was researching an idea for a campaign that I wanted to put together, which was going to be set in late 20s, early 30s Chicago, basically during the Prohibition era, and involve a number of gangsters that were around at the time. And I wanted to see kind of what the World of Darkness had to say about that era and those people. For this one, I specifically had in mind a conflict between mages and vampires. One of the first books I ended up looking in was a book called The Syndicate. It was a book about the syndicate group of bad guys that show up in Mage the Ascension. They are part of the larger group called the Technocracy, being the ones that are pushing the technological paradigm over the traditional magical one. And the syndicate is the group that handles humanity's perception of finance, among other things. And so I read that, and they talked very briefly about how they did things in the 20s versus how they did things in the 30s. And it was only after Al Capone went down that they started moving into controlling aspects of organized crime. 
Fiction. So I read that, and then I picked up Chicago by Night, which is a vampire source book, and Capone is in that as a vampire. And according to his backstory, he ended up getting embraced by a Ventru at, I believe, near the end of his prison sentence, and then he came back to Chicago to start playing in vampire politics. So the stories didn't exactly conflict with each other, they kind of worked, but I could tell that from the way the Syndicate book was written, the assumption was that there was nothing unusual about Capone, and that he was no longer around. So that was something I found kind of interesting, and I don't think would have required really any extra work on my part at all to make that work. But it was the start of my understanding of the fact that all of these writers weren't necessarily keeping track of each other. To tell the truth, the main reason that I wanted to use the Syndicate was because I was in a theater company of the same name at the time, and it amused me, so I figured why not. Of course, a number of years later, they came out with a book called World of Darkness Mafia, which I have not had a chance to read. I have it sitting on my shelf, just a bit of ways from me, but I still haven't managed to read it yet. I bought it what feels like ages ago, but I'm sure they put out a lot more information in that book that might have helped with the campaign that I had been working on at that time. Unfortunately, I never really got to run that campaign, but hey, never say never. Could happen one day. Anyway, that was a minor example. A bigger example I came across had to do with a conflict between Changeling and Mummy. And this is one that I'd never heard anything about from anybody else, possibly because Changeling and Mummy were never as popular as Vampire and Werewolf and Mage. But I found it interesting, because in the World of Darkness Mummy book and then Mummy the Resurrection, they have Horus as one of the first mummies, and the leader of the main group of quote-unquote mummy good guys, if you will. Basically a group dedicated to eradicating Set, so there's a lot of that, and it does play into the lore of Set as a vampire antediluvian, and it talks a lot about the conflict between Osiris and Set, and things of that nature. But the funny thing is that Changeling had Kith books released, Kith being specific types of Changelings. They had Kith books out for most of the different Kiths. Not all, though from what I hear that's finally getting fixed with the Changeling 20th Anniversary Edition. But if you look in Kith book Puka, they talk about the history of the Puka Kith, which are all sort of animalistic. They all have different features. They are in their fey form rabbit people and dog people and cat people and turtle people and things like that. In the history of the puka, one of the first major well-known pukas in history is also Horus. They describe him as a bird puka, and throughout that they never mention anything about the character of Horus as he is in Mummy, but both books are clearly referring to the same legend. So that again is something where you have to do a certain amount of mental gymnastics to try to figure out how you want to play it. The easiest way is to just say one of the sources is lying, and sort of make that decision based on what you're wanting to do with the game you're running. The easiest thing to say is that the pukas are lying or exaggerating, because that's one of the things they do. But I'm one of those masochistic bastards who tries to combine every version of a story and make it all the same thing. So I had a lot of painful fun with that one as it twisted and turned in my head, and I tried to figure out how I was going to play it, should it ever become important in something I was running. I was running quite a lot of Changeling in those days, and I did have games with mummies in them, and I believe the subject did come up, and I think that the NPC that they were talking to at the time just decided to avoid the question altogether because it was one of those things that was just too Byzantine to even really talk about. They were a bit skeptical of Horus and felt as though he was kind of playing both sides against the middle, and I just sort of, I think, left it at the idea that something strange and terrible had happened a long time ago, and that these days Horus was still walking around as a mummy, but at the time there were reasons why he was also considered to be a puka, but I never really got into the details there, and hopefully I will never have to at some point 
should I ever run World of Darkness again, but you know, we'll see. Now, what I think is probably the most blatant and the best known example of this kind of contradiction coming up happened entirely within Vampire the Masquerade, where they had Rasputin listed as being a vampire, but also being a member of at least four different clans. He shows up in Clan Book Malkavian and in the Clan Book for the Followers of Set. I believe he is mentioned in Clan Book Venture, and in Berlin by Night, he's statted up as an Osferatu. A lot of us joked that he was really something else entirely, that maybe he was a wraith or probably a mage, disguising himself as a bunch of different kinds of vampires just to throw people off. And I heard a kind of a throwaway reference that was kind of interesting at a panel I went to last Dragon Con. It was an anniversary panel for the World of Darkness, and they had most of the early developers of the World of Darkness sitting in on it. And I can't remember who it was, but I believe one of them got introduced as, among other things, the person responsible for Rasputin. So it may have been a deliberate thing that happened, and not necessarily writers not paying attention to each other. It might have been a sort of enigma they were throwing in just to tease people with. Unfortunately, it didn't come up in the panel again, so they never explained it. And I have a feeling they're never going to want to explain it. But when people talk about discontinuity between the different White Wolf books, Rasputin is the example I think most folks point to. Anyway, they decided, for whatever reason, during the early aughts, to end the World of Darkness as they knew it, and come out with a new World of Darkness. They put out a series of books for folks who wanted to have source material for ending their campaigns. They put out a book for Vampire the Masquerade called Gehenna. They put out a book for Werewolf the Apocalypse called Apocalypse. They put out a book for Mage the Ascension called Ascension. And then they put out a book called World of Darkness Time of Judgment to cover pretty much everything else that they hadn't ended at that point. So they crammed all of Changeling, Hunter, Demon, Kindred of the East, and Mummy into that one book. They had already ended Wraith previously. They ended that one first. They put out an ending book for that called Ends of Empire. I never really looked deeply into those books. I kind of skimmed one or two of them at the time. I saw that at least in the Gehenna book, Gehenna being the concept in the vampire setting of the final war that'll happen in the end times, They had this note in there somewhere. I can't remember exactly where in the book it was, if it was side matter toward the front or if it was in the introduction or on the back or whatever. But it said something to the effect of that they had raided the back of Mark Reinhagen's filing cabinet and gotten all of his original notes, and they were using that as part of the foundations for what they wrote for the ending of The World of Darkness. And in the Gehenna book, they gave finally what were all supposedly the true names of all the antediluvians. But then, in each... Each of these books that they released for each of these game lines, they had multiple endings, a number of different options that someone could take for ending their campaign, and a number of different ways to interpret the end of the story, and a number of different ways basically to present the end of the world, or at least the end of the world for supernatural types. So while there's undoubtedly a decent amount of lore in there for folks who want to have solid information for their campaigns that they want to consider canon, it's still all subjective because they've got these multiple multiple options for what's really going on. So it's one of those things where the books that are meant to say, finally, here's the deal, here's what's really going on, also could be considered to have the least stable canonicity, as it were. Because not only are things told from particular perspectives and unreliable narrators, but they give you multiple options beyond that. 
So those books are, again, something that could be a resource or could be completely ignored. And I know that to a certain extent, those books are being ignored for the purpose of newer editions of the original World of Darkness. So how you take it is really up to you, as with pretty much everything. So anyway, with the new World of Darkness, they decided to start completely over, have the game mechanics, the storyteller system, completely reworked, so that it was something that could still be considered the storyteller system, but with a bit more of an eye toward game balance, and in particular what they did was they had, with the new World of Darkness, a core book called World of Darkness, which you would use to make a mortal character, and then you would grab another book to apply a template for whatever supernatural creature you wanted to be. And among those books, in the new World of Darkness, you had Vampire the Requiem, Werewolf the Forsaken, Mage the Awakening, Promethean the Created, which was basically about playing different kinds of golems, including Frankenstein's monsters, by the way, and Changeling the Lost. A bit later, they did more games called Hunter the Vigil, which I believe was just about mortal hunters. This time, I don't think they gave them imbued powers or anything like that. This was more of a game where you would have people trained to go after supernatural creatures. They had Geist the Sin Eaters instead of doing ghosts. They had, basically, I believe it was undead who could return to the land of the living more solidly. It's actually a little bit complicated, but my understanding is it's a really good game. And of course, like many others, I have not had the time to peruse it. And later on, they had a licensee who came out with Mummy the Curse, Demon the Descent, and a game called Beast the Primordial. At that point, Onyx Path were the new folks handling it. And I'll get to that in a moment. There's a lot. Um... <laughs> For anyone who hasn't turned the podcast off yet, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart as I tell you this ridiculously long unraveling story. Anyway, things went on that way for a while where they were doing the new World of Darkness until White Wolf merged with a company called CCP Games. CCP Games, if you're not familiar, is the company that does the MMO EVE Online. That's the one where you fly around spaceships and keep track of a bunch of different skills to try to improve over a period of time. I've played it a little, it was kind of fun, but I didn't have the time to devote to it that I would have needed to really get into it. CCP made it White Wolf's priority to work on computer games, in particular a World of Darkness MMORPG that they wanted to come out with. Unfortunately, that never happened. I don't know all the details, but after spending the better part of a decade planning it, they canceled the game in 2014. During that time, they did continue to support the World of Darkness tabletop and live-action game lines, but they did not come out with a lot of books for it. It was no longer the product treadmill where they'd throw out a couple of new books every month. It was around the time, I don't know exactly when it was, but I believe it was in the latter half of the time that they were merged with CCP that they started started licensing out their games to other companies. They licensed out both the original World of Darkness and the new World of Darkness to a company called Onyx Path, and they started putting out new content. And there was a separate company that I want to say was called By Night Studios. Yes, By Night Studios, that started producing stuff for the live-action games, it says here, starting in 2013. And I remember that... Toward the end of the aughts, I think it was, or possibly the beginning of the teens, they started putting out Kickstarters to produce new editions, once again, of the original World of Darkness games. 
These were called 20th Anniversary Editions, and these would be the fourth iterations of those games. In this case, if I'm remembering correctly, they had Kickstarters for 20th Anniversary Editions of Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Mage the Ascension, and Changeling the Dreaming. I don't know if they did 20th Anniversary Editions for any of the other games, but I believe they have continued to support those games as well. And once again, these new editions were just revisions of the original storytelling system from the original World of Darkness. So they didn't go as far as they did when updating it for the new World of Darkness. Now, a couple of years ago, in late 2015, a company called Paradox Interactive purchased White Wolf from CCP, and all of its intellectual properties as well. And I believe they brought some of the developers over, but then also started hiring new folks. And they are currently to my understanding, working on a fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade. There is a certain amount of controversy surrounding some of the staff that they have working on support products for their vampire line now. I'm not going to get into all that right now. There's plenty online you can find if you want to talk about it. It just sort of gets into the areas of stuff that I'm not going to talk about online. It's like opening Pandora's box. I'm not going there. But if you want to Google it, Google it. There's plenty out there, believe me. I will just say that there are friends of mine who do not like what is going on very much. Now, as of this recording, it was recently announced that the lead developer for what they're calling the fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade will be Kenneth Height, who has an excellent track record with games, and he does good work, and he's been writing games about vampires for some time. However, he has always taken the position that vampires need to be, shall we say, on the proper end of the stake in narrative. He's always had vampires as antagonists for most of what he's written. But Vampire was always meant to be a game of personal horror, and a game about coming to terms with being a monster and the questions that come up about managing that. So he could do a great job. On the one hand, he's always been really good at what he does and at evoking horror. On the other, he has been very much against good guy vampires. And I've known lots and lots of players who enjoy playing good guy vampires. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out. I'm not going to go in expecting this to be an experience for me like it was when I was in my early 20s and I discovered the world of darkness and it opened up a whole world of urban fantasy role-playing for me. I'm not going to expect it to be like that. Also, they've said that they are specifically not going with the storytelling system. They're doing something different because they want to do different things with the game. So we'll see what happens when that game comes out. In the meantime, they have rebranded the old World of Darkness or classic World of Darkness to just be called the World of Darkness again. They like to throw around the phrase one World of Darkness. So I think they are trying to better integrate all the lore that they have available for their new game and make everything a bit more interconnected. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. They have also rebranded the New World of Darkness as the Chronicles of Darkness, and they're pretty much just letting Onyx Path run with it at this point. That's my understanding, at least. Onyx Path has been coming out with second editions of the Chronicles of Darkness games, because a lot of improvements have happened in the time that those games have been out. So there are new editions of at least Vampire the Requiem and Werewolf the Forsaken. I don't know if they've done new editions for everything else, but I'm pretty sure 
sure they're planning to do that. Uh, I know at least for Mage the Awakening and Changeling the Lost. Not quite sure where they are on that with the other games, but I believe they are continuing to support them. So, now that we've been caught up to the present, relatively speaking, what does this have to do with canon? Well, as you can tell, because you have basically two separate worlds of darkness, one of which has potentially two iterations, the other of which has four, soon to be five iterations, is it important to keep up with continuity? And I think that, as my answer has been pretty much for everything else, it depends. It depends on what you're doing, if you're playing the game, or if you're just talking about it, and they've maintained, ever since the beginning, a subjective tone. I think that the 20th anniversary editions of the original World of Darkness are worth looking at. I think that the Chronicles of Darkness products are also worth looking at. But I think with any conversation about the World of Darkness, the important thing is to separate the idea of canon from the idea of lore. It's not really fun to talk about canon in the World of Darkness because it's like being a character in Dark City trying to find Shell Beach. You try to figure out where it is and your brain spirals into oblivion. There is really no way to know what is truly canon. But you can have a heck of a lot of fun just talking about the lore. Now, I will make a few points about continuity here that I find interesting and which are things that I think are worth discussing, but again, are not necessarily things that should be taken as an authority of any kind. There have been other games that White Wolf has put out, and the question has arisen as to whether or not they are connected to the World of Darkness. The major example of this is Exalted. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Exalted. I've played it once. It's first edition. There's been more than one edition, and I know that back then, when it came out, it was kind of intended to be a sort of prequel to the World of Darkness, but not really. It had things that were kind of meant to, I think, be echoes of different supernatural types from the World of Darkness, but it was very much its own thing and in a very different style. Exalted is not a horror game. It's more of a primordial wuxia type thing. It took a lot of inspiration from anime and high fantasy movies and is set in a very early period in the world, a prehistoric period period where you have these mighty heroes with amazing powers running around and fighting major forces of evil. And they have a lot of different types of exalted that you can kind of see could perhaps be meant to eventually evolve into supernatural types, but also they might not. And other things that we're not really sure what they are. They're much more in key with natural or universal forces. You have solar exalted, abyssal exalted, lunar exalted, Exalted, something called Sidereal Exalted, Terrestrial, Alchemical, and Infernal Exalted, and other types as well, which apparently have been announced for its third edition. It's a fun game. It might be related to the prehistory of the World of Darkness, but I think for the most part it doesn't really matter if you're playing it. There are a few very tenuous connections, and you can see them in the history section of the Wikipedia article about Exalted, but I think it's a very different thing. White Wolf also had a game called Ars Magica, which I believe they came out with before they came out with the World of Darkness. And from what I understand, for its third edition, they kind of tied it into a future World of Darkness setting, somewhat. They made some connections to Vampire and to Mage, so that's potentially in there. But my understanding is, again, it's a different kind of game, a different genre. It's a mythic European game. 
And I think whether you tie it into the dark ages of the world of darkness or not is pretty much up to you. I believe they've said it's like a version of the world around circa 1200 or so, but with bunches and bunches of folklore thrown in. I believe right now Ars Magica is being handled by Atlas Games, so you have that. And then they had a series of games in what they call the Trinity Universe, the first of which was called Trinity. Originally it was called Eon, but they decided to change it for legal reasons. That was, I believe, set in the far future and had you playing different kinds of psychics. There was a game called Aberrant, set in the near future, where you would play superheroes, but also set in that universe. The idea, I think, being that whatever the superheroes could do eventually got refined down into these psychic abilities that the heroes of Trinity had. And then they came out with a game called Adventure, which was a game about 1920s pulp heroes, and I think the characters were part of what I believe they called the Eon Society, and there was lore connecting it with the world that eventually led up to Aberrant. For the most part, there are no connections with the World of Darkness that I'm aware of. My understanding is they did reuse a couple of names of organizations from the World of Darkness in Trinity, so there is the possibility of a connection. And of course, around the time that Aberrant came out, I remember playing in a LARP at DragonCon, where you had primarily World of Darkness characters running around, but you also had a couple of Aberrant heroes running around as well. So that was kind of fun and interesting, but that was more just what we were doing at the time and not necessarily anything to do with canon or continuity. But for the most part, with the Trinity series of games, unless you really, really want to make it work and you delve deep to find the sort of tenuous name connections, it's not really a thing that you need to worry about. And of course you have another big game that White Wolf came out with called Scion. That is a game where you have mythological deities influencing present day Earth, and my understanding is depending on which version of it you play, you can play exceptional people, or demigods, or gods. I've heard it's a really fun game, but I have also heard that it has absolutely no connection to the world of darkness whatsoever. So no need to worry about canon connections there. And of course I now just looked at the Wikipedia article, and I may have spoken too soon. For those of you whom I may have mentioned earlier who want to really work to make the different universes connect. I see that Cyan, it says here, includes elements from the Trinity universe, most notably Aberrant. So if that is the case, and you want to make those named connections work, then knock yourselves out. But again, in most cases, I don't think you're going to run into too much where you're seriously trying to worry about whether or not something from the World of Darkness is going to be canon in your Scion game. So there we go. That was a bunch of White Wolf and related things. There have also been spin-off media I didn't really talk about. For the World of Darkness, there were computer games, and there was a TV show. I think in the cases of those, for the computer games, you don't necessarily want to take the plots of the games as canon, but I believe most of the world stuff is correct. I've only played them a little bit. There were a couple of vampire games I played the beginnings of a little, and there was a hunter game that I had on Xbox at one point, and I played that for a while. But there wasn't a whole lot in the way of lore that one had to get into. As for the TV show, which was about vampires, it was called Kindred the Embraced. It was put out by Aaron Spelling. Not a lot of people liked it. I remember seeing about what I think ended up being maybe half the episodes on TV. I did not know the World of Darkness very well at the time that I saw them. I thought the TV show was okay. My understanding is they changed a lot. They had vampires walking around during the day, for example, and had them evolved into a slightly different form where they didn't have fangs anymore. That kind of thing. It was, I think, interesting enough for what it was. I have heard from folks who have seen it more recently 
that it has not aged well. So look at it if you want to, but be warned. It may be more of an MST3K type experience. Who knows? There were also various novels that came out. I believe mostly they were for Vampire. There was a series of Vampire Dark Ages novels that came out. There was a series of modern-day Vampire novels that came out. And of the modern ones, I did read a series within their larger series that they referred to as the Clan Novels. There were 13 of them, because there are 13 clans of vampires in Vampire the Masquerade. And some of them were better written than others. I think overall they presented a kind of interesting storyline. A few things happened in the continuity of those novels that also did affect later tabletop gaming products that came out. For example, in Vampire the Masquerade you have two major sects of vampires, the Camarilla and the Sabbat, and those two organizations fight each other and control different cities, and during the clan novels there were some cities on the east coast that changed hands, and that was reflected in later White Wolf products. So there is an effect, but again, these books, while being written primarily in the third person, with a few exceptions, were still very much in the heads of the perspective characters used in the books, so I don't see any problem applying the same sort of general filter to the novels that you would apply to the RPG books and consider them subjective. And that's about all I can think of at this point regarding the canon of White Wolf's World of Darkness. Good lord, I have rambled on for freaking ever. So guess what? Yes, that's right. There will be more parts to this series. <laughs> okay, so next time I will start out talking about Lovecraft and we'll see if I manage to get to any other topics. My goodness, I had rather more to say than I thought I would. Guess I should try to keep podcasting then, shouldn't I? There's an idea. Okay, folks. As a reminder, once again, if you are coming to Con Carolinas, I will be there this year. So if you're there and you happen to see me, feel free to say hi. But in the meantime, take care, and I'll see you all of a sudden.